Hawks lose nail biter in OT against the Magic, one seventeen to one ten. Welcome to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. I am your host, Tim Ogles, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey Kabrinsky, where we talk everything Hawks. Let's go! All right, Mikey, um, it feels like as of lately, we've been coming on and talking about another frustrating loss for the Atlanta Hawks. I felt like, you know, going, you know, as an overview of this game, I feel like the Hawks, if it felt like the Hawks had complete control of this game from, you know, pretty much the middle of the first quarter until the very end. And it was one of those things where they just couldn't come up with timely plays to seal it out in OT. Yeah, in the last meeting against the Magic, the Hawks were able to uh, take advantage of some really lackluster offensive organization from the Magic in Mexico City and take that win. Uh, They got it to overtime and utilized that again, but unfortunately couldn't get the win in that extra time. Really, Tim, there's there's a few stats that uh, stick out to me here. And the first one, it's got to be missed free throws. Tim, in this game, the Hawks shot 17 of 29 from the free throw line. And the Magic weren't much better at 14 of 22. But uh, Trey Young, Onyeka Kangwu, DeJounte Murray, you got Clint Capella Capella in there as well. Obviously, you know, not the best free throw shooter normally. But all these guys missing key free throws down the stretch. And really for most of the game, uh, just really uncharacteristic of a team really outside of Capella that, that has a lot of good free throw shooters. Also, the starters in this game were a minus 26. And as we get into to the game later, we can see why there were some decisions uh, to be made with closing uh, with the Kongwu versus Capella and, and that sort of stuff. But minus 26, all of the lineups were plus 19. Really, really not the, the greatest stats you want to see there uh, leading to this loss. Yeah, it was just uh, like it was mind fumbling at sometimes. Like it's just the starters just couldn't get out of their own way. But whenever you added a guy, you know, like Bogey, it, it turned things around. Yeah, and the Magic in this game were without Wendell Carter Jr. and Franz Wagner and Markel Fultz. This is his first game playing since that game in Mexico City early in the year. So uh, the Magic were definitely down some guys, but Paolo Banquero really carried that offense for them. Yeah, and, you know, starting out with the first – the Hawks uh, again start out poorly in the first. Orlando goes on a 7-0 run, and it was ended by a Sadiq Bay three. But you know, going going into something I wanted to talk to to you about is why are the Hawks struggling so much to begin these games? We we've talked about trade rumors and, and all that stuff having that effect. You know, where guys' minds maybe might not be in the right place, but. It seems like it's becoming a trend. You know, it happened at the beginning of the season, but now it's becoming more prominent every night where the Hawks just come out flat. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of that, I think, you know, last game we talked about the Hawks couldn't make anything versus Indiana, and Indiana's defense is very porous, but 
The Magic are one of the best defensive teams in the league. Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz, uh, especially Suggs on that perimeter, and uh, Anthony Black as well. The Hawks could not generate the shot quality they wanted to early in this game. And I think a lot of credit to go, uh, goes to Orlando that they didn't move the ball, ball very well. And they, and after that 7-0 run, when Atlanta kind of got a little bit going here, Orlando got on a 9-0 run right after that. So it, it was it really was just a short spurt there for Atlanta, but couldn't really generate any momentum, like you said, uh, up until that middle of the second quarter. Yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of that was fueled by, you know, just bad quality shots they were taking. Uh, it had to do with a lot like it. It seemed like the Hawks played the fourth quarter, late fourth quarter kind of offense right there where there really wasn't much ball movement. It was kind of like a more of an ISO where, you know, it was trying to one guy take on one guy. It was just really awkward to watch. It, it just didn't seem like the Hawks offense that Quinn Snyder wanted to run. Yeah. And the they got off to a 16-3 to lead. Uh, Quinn Snyder calls a timeout, and they were doing it from a – weapon that they don't really use a lot, the three-point line. Uh, the Magic are not a very good three-point shooting team. Outside of Cole Anthony and Caleb Houston, they don't have a lot of guys that like to, to launch from three. But Houston is in, in this game, as we move along, he was really good for them offensively. You know, he, in, in this game, knocked down – he shot seven of 14 from beyond the arc. 14 threes for Caleb Houston is a lot of threes. He scored a career high tonight uh, with 25 points. And that he was he was one of those guys where the Hawks just couldn't afford afford to lose him in the half court, and that's what they kept doing. Yeah, and it, it seems like a, a trend with the Hawks where we have a random role player every game just go nuclear. I mean, a guy I think Caleb Houston's averaging like four points a game, and, and he comes out and gives the Hawks twenty five on 50% shooting from three. Um, I, I'm going to take a little jab here at Sadiq Bay during this game. Like, Houston shouldn't be as open as he, as he was on these shots. Poor rotations, you know, just losing your guy. And, and uh, some of that stuff is just, you know, it, it's it's mind-boggling because the Hawks have always had a problem of overhelping, but just completely losing your guy is unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, after that timeout that Quinn Snyder played, he did draw up a nice ATO to get Murray uh, on a play going to the basket. And this was a really great game by DeJounte Murray in the first half. He, I'm pretty sure he made six of seven shots at the rim, and he, he was just on attack mode from the get-go. He fueled a 12-5 to run after that timeout that really kind of uh, righted the ship for Atlanta and kept them from going down huge uh, like we saw last time in Indiana. Yeah, and, you know, we'll get into the second half when we get into the second half, but I, I felt like this first half, DeJounte Murray, probably one of the best DeJounte Murrays the Hawks have seen. Like, his ability to get to the rim was, you know, unmatched. Like, there was no guy in Orlando that, that was stopping him from getting to the rim. And, you know, having guys like Suggs and the good perimeter defenders they had, they just had no answer for him. No, and – I, we, one of our keys was to know when to attack uh, with these perimeter defenders that Orlando has. And Murray did exactly that uh, when Jalen Suggs was uh, primarily guarding Trey Young, who, you know, Suggs eventually got out of this game. But Murray was able to attack when, when Suggs wasn't on him. And I think he did a really good job 
of keeping the Hawks in this game. They closed the gap to four points uh, after they after the Magic led 23 to 19 at the end of the quarter. A bogey hit a three and an, a layup that you know Bob Rathman on the call uh, said it perfectly. This was you know, one of those circus shots, one of those plays where bo- you were like, "Wow, Bogey does this on the regular. He makes some of these plays that don't look good, but when the shot goes in, you're like, "Wow, how did he make that?" Yeah, it was like a circus layup. It was it was pretty crazy to watch because it was like he did like a pirouette as he was laying it in. It was wild. Um, moving on a little bit uh, further into the you know second quarter, the Hawks started out the second on a thirteen to two run. Um, everybody was getting involved at that point. Bogey, Trey, Oo. It felt like the Hawks, you know, offensively started to hit their stride in this game. Yeah, I think. A big dip, a big reason why that was was Quinn Snyder going to the double big lineup. Uh, since Jalen Johnson has come back, there were there have not been many times on the court where we've seen Clint Capella and Yeko Okongwu play together. And you know, Okongwu knocked down a three this game. If he's doing that uh, and playing at the four, that lineup works. And we saw the the def- the defensive execution and fr- frankly the offensive execution as well uh, go higher when that lineup came back in. Uh, we'll get to the player player by player later, but a Kongu in this game was absolutely dominant in the paint defensively. Yeah, I felt like the two big lineup was probably one of the top two lineups that that really were getting the Hawks everything they wanted in this game. I felt like OO being able to hit a three was, you know, enough to make Orlando respect it. And when you have or Orlando respect it, then you could really run some true offense uh, with OO at the power forward. Yeah, we con- we continued the theme of watching the Hawks get to the rim. DeJounte Murray at the helm of that. 22 of 32 points uh, for the Hawks to start off this game were in the paint. And at this point, uh, they were down by two, but the Hawks took their first lead on a bogey three, uh, taking the lead to 37 to 34, on a, and that was on a 9-2 run. So you had bogey, you had Onyeka Kangwu, uh, those bench guys that we referenced earlier in, in the intro, really making a big impact uh, as the starters really couldn't get anything going to begin this game. Yeah. Oh, had a poster um, on uh, what was his name? Um, okay. Okay. Chumo. Okay. Chumo. Okay. And then uh, that was off a of Clint Capella steal on Paulo Bancaro, which was something, you know, we don't see often, but it, it was nice to see Clint, you know, get out there. And I think Clint's really good using his hands when he's out there, he but is. But the recovering speed for Clint is the problem when he gets out there. And, you know, he did a really good, uh, a great job on Paulo and getting the steal, finding the open guy. And what a, that dunk by O was nasty. Yeah, we've had, there's been a few dunks in this game, in the few games recently for the Hawks that have just been momentum shifters. It feels like this one uh, was one of those, you know, Jalen's had uh, a ton of those recently, especially the one on, on Chad Holmgren. But a big play in this game uh, that Hawks, fan, Hawks fans probably should take into account was when the Hawks used their challenge on a West Matthews foul call uh, late in the second quarter. Uh, Matthews was actually playing after Garrison Matthews went down with an ankle sprain. He didn't return in this game. So hopefully he's not out for too long, um, get, get well soon for Garrison. But that was a big play because – Jalen Johnson was in foul trouble after that. And one of the keys to this game, Tim, we called it, 
Jalen Johnson can't get into foul trouble. And unfortunately, it happened. Von Carroll was able to really take advantage of the minutes uh, when Johnson wasn't wasn't guarding him. And I thought eh, probably not the best use of a challenge there uh, from Wes Matthews as the call wasn't overturned. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where we we watch the coach, um, you know, look at the player and the players jumping up and down, telling the coach to challenge it, you know. And sometimes the coaches need to make sure they defer to the staff. It was clear that uh, Wesley hit him in, in the face, but it was just one of those things where Quinn tried to trust his guy and it just didn't work out for the Hawks. And, you know, with Jalen being in that foul trouble, it, it kind of hurt going down the stretch of this game because, you know, there there are other calls that, that could have been challenged that would have probably benefited the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Atlanta ended up ending the first half on an 11-2 run after starting the second quarter on a 13-2 run. So ending quarters well, starting quarters well, both well for the rest of the game. They took a nine-point lead, 60-51, to going into the third quarter in the locker room at halftime. Yeah, and I felt like in this, you know, for the whole um, complete second quarter, I felt the Hawks, like, played pretty good defense in the second quarter. Yeah. Like, it was, you know, definitely the best defensive quarter for the Hawks in this game. Um, yeah, they, they scored 19 points in the second quarter, the Magic, and the Hawks on the other end scored 32. So, yeah, they, they, they played br- brilliantly. Yeah, it was, you know, DJ half had 16. Um, Bancaro was six for 14 from the field at that time. That That's, you know, Apollo, Apollo's good. <laughs> There's no <laughs> other way to put it. He's just good. And, uh, you know, later on in this game, he, he really showed you why. Yeah, there was six to fourteen at halftime. It isn't bad. I think uh, Onyeka Kangu and Jalen Johnson did did a really good job. It's better in the first half than the second half, but of limiting him, keeping him on the perimeter, and taking tough mid range shots. Uh, he shot fourteen shot attempts. The next highest on Orlando Tim was Caleb Houston at seven. The, it was it was the Paulo Boncaro show with Franz Wagner out for sure for Orlando. Yeah, and when Bancaro, like, we, we talked about Jalen and Bancaro being as physically as he is, like, you could tell that when Jalen got matched up on Paulo that Paulo tried to take it to him. To It felt like that was one of Orlando's game plan was, you know, if you can get him into foul trouble, I think Paulo against whoever the backup four is or, you know, at, at that point, can really take advantage and you know they did it, it was unfortunate for the hawks yeah and before we get into the third quarter here one more stat that really favors the Hawks here 38 points in the paint uh for for the hawks in the first half compared to 16 for orlando that that's really what you want to see and you know quinn snyder we we t- talk a lot about quinn snyder offense spacing shooting a lot of threes but i think the number one option in this offense should be to get to the rim to open up those three-point shots and those driving kicks when you have Trey and DeJounte, two uh, Trey, great passer. You know, DeJounte uh, is, is a good passer as well. So that's what you want to see if you're the Hawks. Yeah, and starting out the third, Caleb Houston, he had five threes at this point in the game. Uh, the Magic go on a 14-5 to run, making it 65-65 to after a, a Suggs stealing layup. Like, it's one of those things where – you know, we, we talked about the Hawks starting the second quarter great, ending the second quarter great, and the third quarter comes around and the Hawks just 
flat again. Uh, it seems like that that's happened a lot lately in the third quarter. You know, there's a lot of people that call the third quarter for the Hawks the death quarter, and it, it reared its ugly head tonight. But the matchup that was really fun to watch was was Jalen Suggs and Trey Young. We knew that was, we knew that coming into the to the show to the game that it was going to be a, a matchup that was fun to watch. Just a great defender going against an elite offensive uh, offensive player. Suggs fouled out. There were a couple moments when you know definitely Trey Young was in a Suggs head. Some on the other way around as well. So in the in the third quarter, it got a little chippy and physical between those two. Yeah, and something I wanted to bring up a position about that. Uh, Trey Young has Suggs on him, uh, which it's well known that Suggs is a great defender. So um, Trey has Suggs on him. Trey nutmegs Suggs, goes baseline, and Suggs still finds a way to get in the passing lane and and cause a shot clock violation. Like – uh, it, it was just it's fun to watch good you know like good perimeter defenders against great offensive players just because uh, you know the love for basketball for me it's it's always fun to watch those guys kind of match up yeah i think the biggest difference why the hawks struggled in the third quarter compared to the first half was well one they were turning the ball over a little bit more and that's credit to the magic defense but two uh, DeJounte Murray and really the Hawks at, in general weren't getting to the rim as e- uh, as easy. It, it they were they're settling for a lot of perimeter shots, and you could tell that there was just not a lot of offensive rhythm uh, compared to the first half. Yeah, and I don't think Orlando really changed much up defensively from what they were doing in the first half. It, it was just I wonder if it's just the Hawks' game plan to get up more threes in the in the second half. But it was really strange not seeing them get to the rim. Um, you know, going into the the fourth quarter, uh, 89-81, Trey hits a three. Um, you know, Trey Trey's played really wonky as of lately. It, it I know it sounds weird, but it, it's one of those games where Trey uh, Trey's fighting injuries. Like we we could keep it all one hundred here, and you know he he's got kinesiology tape everywhere. He's got a shooting sleeve on. It, it's it's one of those things, and you could tell during this whole game Trey's struggling. Where you know he. <laughs> One of the first possessions of the game, Trey Trey had an easy floater on the baseline by himself, and he shoots an air ball. Like it was one of those games where Trey just didn't have it. But you know, it is what it is at this point. Yeah, he he still gets good counting stats as we'll go over later later in the game and in the show. But he's three from twenty five in his last eleven quarters, and now it's from that that was from Grant Shirley on Twitter. Good follow uh, for any Hawks fans out there on Twitter, but, or X, <laughs> but the Hawks, they were missing some easy looks to start the fourth. Uh, Trey didn't hit a three until that point. He was 0-5, and it was 89-86 to 86 Magic with nine minutes left. Now, Tim, another game where the Hawks were entering clutch time in a close game. Did they deliver? Kind of. Kind of, I guess you could say, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't off of Really, a lot of what they did, it was capitalizing off Orlando's mistakes offensively. And that's what good teams do. They forced it to overtime, but in the end, Paolo Boncaro was too much in OT. 
Yeah, I said this uh, uh, on X as the game was going along in the fourth. I said, well, the Hawks can't lose a fourth quarter lead if they don't have one. So if they come back and win this game, I I think it'll be something new we could talk about. And uh, uh, they didn't get the win, but they they definitely got it to overtime. Yeah, this this game was, was weird in that the first quarter was dominated by the Magic. Second quarter, dominated by the Hawks. Third quarter, you got the Magic. Fourth quarter, you got the Hawks. The Magic didn't score in four minutes and, and change to begin the fourth quarter. The Hawks were really playing great defense, and but they couldn't capitalize on the other end uh, in, in the fourth on offense to start. Yeah, the um, the is 97-93 um, on another – you know, Caleb Houston three, like the the kid just couldn't miss. It was one of those things when you shoot 50% from three on that kind of volume, it's just your night. And Mm. he he definitely had it. Uh, Malik's uh, the magic uh, challenge, a call on a Goga. Um, It it looks like I'm going to say it was a blocking foul, but they ended up changing it and saying it was a a non-call. Um, ended up being on a 7-0 run for the Orlando Magic. Yeah, Jalen Suggs after that, he really, really put his stamp on this game in terms of effort plays, going into the passing lanes, uh, disrupting the perimeter guards for the Hawks' rhythm. And they hit a three. It was 100-93 to Magic with, with, just over three, with just over three minutes left. And at this point, you know, Hawks fans probably saying, oh, it's over, it's over. But one thing I remember, and, and I tweeted this a little bit uh, before – the two-minute mark, I think the Hawks are going to come back and win this game. Now, they, they ended up tying it, but last time the Hawks faced them, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, Orlando can't get organized offensively in the fourth quarter. It's just not their strength, and that's why the, that's what the Hawks took advantage of to tie it here as we as we go along here to, to say how it happened. Yeah, um, Trey helps with strong side corner on a Houston three, like it was one of those things where (laughs) uh, Sadiq Bay, Trey, it it didn't matter who you threw at him because he was just going to hit it. And at that point it was one Oh five to one Oh one magic. Yeah. 56 seconds left there. And that was one of the, that was one of the more infuriating plays of the night for me, just because helping strong side corner on a three is, is one of those never do's. In terms of in terms of basketball, uh, especially when you're close when when it's close, late game situations. But that it in the in the end, that's just something that's got to be fixed by watching film and, and just you know being mentally ready for that situation. Yeah, and Trey gets a a, a layup. Uh, you know, fifty six like uh, seconds left. Cole Anthony comes down, turns it over to Sadiq, and uh, you know Trey gets a layup. This game, this game, the reason it got into overtime was because the Hawks, I said this last time um, on the podcast with Glenn Willis, the Hawks in this game, they were now they were down, so they needed to pick up the pace, but they never stopped their offensive flow late in the game. Even when they were down two, when they needed a bucket uh, by their star, Trey drives into the lane, gets the ball to Jalen Johnson in the quarter. Now he could have taken this three, and if he made it, the Hawks probably would have won the game. He doesn't take it. He pump fakes, finds Sadiq cutting for, for a dunk, and this ties the game at 105. Now, the Magic come down the other end, 
Paolo Boncaro, everybody in the world knows Paolo Boncaro is getting this ball. He takes it into the post with Jalen Johnson. Trey Young, I thought, excellently timed double team to get the ball out of Paolo's hands. DeJounte Murray rotates over to contest the Caleb Houston three on the perimeter, and we go to overtime. I think the Hawks, that defensive execution, they've got to look at that play and remember it because that was pretty much a textbook in terms of what Quinn Snyder probably wanted them to do. Yeah, and my my favorite part of that whole sequence was Clint Capella getting the rebound. Uh, I felt like, you know, he he and Sadiq did a really good job boxing out on, on that play just to make sure that they didn't have no guys sneak through and try to get a tip in. And, you know, the Hawks go to OT. We move on to OT, and it was Bill the Paula Boncaro show. He, he went on a 5-0 personal run, but the free throw shooting was – Terrible from both teams still. Boncaro missed a free throw. Uh, Murray missed one. Oh, Capella was 0-2 from the line. And the Magic, before you know it, had a four-point lead. And they were two and they were two and uh two for two on challenges tonight. They went they won on a challenge on a Capella blocking foul that ended up uh getting getting the, the getting the ball back. It, it was originally called a charge on Boncaro, but they over they overturned the call and the Magic got it back. They scored. It was one thirteen magic with one thirty left. Yeah, and uh, what what stinks was the after they overturned the Capella Bicaro comes down and hits the three to make it one thirteen to one ten, and then of course we go into you know kind of a more of a crunch time and Capella turns over the ball with him and Murray in the corner together, like it was one of those things where it was just one, like you cannot have those two guys in the corner together. And, you know, Capella ends up coughing it up because he didn't know which way Murray was going. Yeah, miscommunication on the handoff there. And I think that stemmed from Capella not really being in in the best position once Trey drove through the lane. Uh, so they had that turnover. Now the Magic didn't score on the other end, so the Hawks still had a chance here, down four with about 45 seconds left. But Murray coming through on the other end takes a questionable layup at best. It was it was pretty much a one v three, and he goes into goes into the lane, misses the layup, and after that, that was pretty much all she wrote. Yeah, and, and we can move on to the box score of this one. Uh, I'll start out with Garrison. Uh, ended up getting hurt, turning an ankle on a shoe, and he had one minute, no counting stats. Uh, I, you know, I hope Garrison gets well soon. Let's move on here to Wesley Matthews, who played uh, some rotation minutes for the first time in a while here with Garrison out. He played nine minutes, uh, had a block and a rebound. He, the bench, besides Garrison, obviously. Uh, as we go on here, the bench was really good in this game in terms of plus minus. West was plus eleven. I thought he, he was okay. I don't think he obviously brought the offensive impact, but defensively he was good on Suggs and Fulton, keeping them from getting into the lane consistently. Yeah, and moving on to Nyeka, thirty-one minutes, two for three from the field, one for two deep from deep. Um, he had six rebounds, three assists, five blocks. Uh, plus 19 with five points. I felt like OO had a really, really good game. It, and me and you have talked about this. I, I think it, 
you know, Quinn Snyder made a questionable call a little bit by by closing this game with Clint Capella instead of Anyeka Okongwu. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I thought Okongwu should have closed the game. Capella, he was good in this game, but not as dominant as Okongwu. But I thought another solution could have been closing with both of them. Uh, you mentioned earlier on the show that that was one of the Hawks, probably the Hawks' second best lineup throughout the entire night. So definitely, definitely interesting uh, decision there by Coach Snyder. As we move on here to Bogey, he he was 7 of 17 from the field in 26 minutes for 18 points, four steals, three rebounds, one assist. Now that steal rate for Bogey has gone really high this season. That's been a great, great surprise to be sure uh, for, for him this season. Uh, probably not as efficient as he'll, he'll want to be, but still a pretty good game from Bogey as far as you know that three-point volume going four of nine from three is definitely what you want to see from him. Yeah, I, I thought Bogey played pretty good in this game. The only thing that uh, I question a little bit is the minutes. Uh, I felt like Bogey should have definitely got some more burn in this game, um, just the way he was shooting the ball. And the the other, you know, the other guys on the floor, definitely the starters were really struggling from three. So I felt like Bogey being in the game probably would have helped the Hawks a little bit more. Um, moving to Sadiq Bay, 38 minutes, five from 10 from the field, two for four from deep, uh, four or five on his free throws, seven rebounds, two assists, one steal, 16 points. Uh, I think that Sadiq offensively had an okay game. Defensively, I thought he was pretty rough. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree there. Jalen Johnson in 40 minutes, six of 12 from the field, 0 of four from deep for 12 points. One block, four assists, 11 rebounds. I thought Jalen was all right. I didn't think he was aggressive enough getting to the rim, especially with uh, poor def- uh, poor defenders at the back line for the Magic. Uh, but overall, he-, he was okay. Defensively, I thought he competed with Paolo Boncaro. You know, with Boncaro taking, what was it, 29 shots and, and scoring 35 points, 13 of 29 from the field. He held him to, to rough efficiency. So I-, I thought he competed well on that end, but offensively not the best from Jalen. Yeah, he actually fouled out of this game as well late in overtime. But, you know, for Jalen, I'd just like to see him get to the rim a little bit more. Moving to Clint Capella, 36 minutes, two from six from the field, 11 rebounds, three steals, two blocks, four points. I felt like Capella was okay in this game. Um, You know, it's one of those things where I'd rather seen a little bit more Nieko, but, you know, Quinn made his decision, and I think that, you know, hopefully he sees the the, um, bright spot and and maybe close it with O there. Yeah, DeJounte Murray in 40 minutes. He shot 9 of 20 from the field. Well, 6 of 7 in the first half, but then shot 1 of 9 to start that second half. He was 0-2 from deep, 6 of 10 from the line, as that was a, a struggle from the line there for, for most of the Hawks. 24 points, 2 assists, 6 rebounds. Oh, offensively, it was definitely a tale of two halves. Repeat, stop, you, stop me if you've heard that before from us. But, <laughs> yeah, another tale of two halves for DeShante. Really good first first half, though. I really want to emphasize that because if you watch this game, as far as if you're a Hawks fan, that's exactly what you want to see from DeShante Murray. And I thought he competed well in the defensive end, too, in that first half. But, you know, in the second, it wasn't the same result. Yeah, I, I felt like DJ in the first half, first half, as I've said, probably one of the best first halves he's had as a Hulk. Um, The second half was just really rough. Um, 
moving on to Trey Young, 42 minutes, 11 from 23 from the field, two for nine from deep. Not really the efficiency you want to see from Trey from deep, but I, I think, you know, he, he's dealing with some some problems right now, you know, definitely with the injuries. Um, uh, Non-assist, which which is really strange. Normally, uh, Trey is definitely in the double digits for assist, and he had one steal, four rebounds, one block, uh, 31 points. I felt like Trey was pretty good in this game, even though he wasn't shooting the three as well. Um, I felt like he, he did a good job, you know, finding his shot whenever the Hawks were, you know, coming up empty a lot on, on the offensive end. Yeah, I think it was pretty rough from Trey defensively, but uh, definitely a quiet 31-9 and nine for Trey. And then, you know, good perimeter defenders will often make you do that, like like Jalen Suggs. Uh, so a good game from Trey. Not not great, uh, especially for his standards, but you know, I, th- I, th- I thought he was okay for sure. And def- definitely, like you said, helped the Hawks when they were in some offensive ruts uh, in that first and third quarter. All right, so the Hawks take on the Philadelphia 76ers at home on Wednesday. Um, we're going to go into the three keys. So my first key for this game is probably going to be throwing doubles at Joel Embiid. I feel like, you know, the Hawks have had some success doing that, uh, definitely in the playoffs, in the regular season, forcing the ball out of his hands. He he will um, turn over the ball. So I think that would be a, a good first key. Yeah, that'll definitely help with the Hawks offense creating transition buckets. Uh, but really, for Joel Embiid, that's one thing that I got to give credit to. He's worked on that a lot in the offseason. He's gotten a couple triple doubles uh, this this season with his passing. And let's see. Let's see. I want to see the Hawks test him and that passing ability uh, to start this game for sure by throwing him some early doubles, giving him multiple different looks. For the second key, it's going to be Murray's ability to get to the rim like we saw in the first half of this game. Uh, you know, D'Anthony Melton, Patrick Beverly, uh, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, all these guys, great perimeter defenders, and they're going to take away that snaking the pick and roll that DeShante likes to do. He's not going to have that much space to operate if he keeps going to that well too many times. So let's see if he can get to the rim or shoot some threes to, to try to get him get them off that game. And if this game comes down to crunch time, then DeJounte will have that opportunity to go to that 14, 15-foot mid-ranger because they've been overplaying on his ability to get to the rim or shoot threes earlier in the game. Yeah, and moving on to the third key, uh, it's going to be pace. Uh, I feel like um, – you know, against Philly, I think the last time we played them was in the in-season tournament at State Farm. And, you know, one of the main plays I remember is at the beginning of the game, uh, Jalen Johnson getting the ball and dunking on Joel Embiid in transition. And, uh, you know, that's part of the key is get out in transition and also make Joel Embiid play defense. Um, you can't let him just be okay playing one side of the ball. You're going to have to make him make an effort on defense so that he, you know, tires himself out. Yeah, you want, you want to make him run up and down the court, see if he can tire himself out. And let's see if the Hawks can get a win here going back to the State Farm Arena because it's coming up to the trade deadline season. And with all these rumors, it'll still be nice for the Hawks and the front office to see that this team really is still looking forward uh, to getting some wins on the on-court product.
And that'll do it for this episode of the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks podcast. Make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast content like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can follow me on X at Pinwizard300 and follow Tim at TimHawks23. Be on the lookout to receive the latest Hawks coverage from us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.